First Kings chapter 17 and verse 1. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word and prayer for the message this morning. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Careth that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee where? There. So he went and did according to the word of God, and he went and dwelt by the brook Careth that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, approximately two years, because there had been no rain in the land. Father, we love you. We thank you for this number gathered here in the house of God this morning. Lord, we pray in the name which is above all other names, the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray that you would help us, undergird us with your spirit and your power and your wisdom to preach the word of God this morning. And we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Elijah all of a sudden is brought from obscurity and set front and center upon the biggest stage, one of the biggest stages of history. God takes a man who is absolutely nobody, an absolute nothing if you will, and uses him to shake the throne of the nation of Israel. Israel was in the grip of pagan worship of a Phoenician god by the name of Baal. Baal was the god of fertility. And when the sun rose high into the sky, his followers believed that they were seeing the face of Baal. That's how tied up in the idol they were. When the great thunder began to roll into the sky... His followers believed that they were about to receive special blessings by the way of rain that would fall from the clouds onto the earth. And when God allowed Elijah to stand before the king, Ahab, and boldly say to him that there'll be no more rain, it was a divine challenge. By the way, let me make it clear, it was actually Jezebel, Ahab's wife, that was pushing the God of Baal. That was pushing him off or that their God and that type of worship into the nation of Israel. And when this challenge was issued, God was basically telling Israel these words. I will teach you who really the Lord is. It's Jehovah and I'll prove it by cutting off the rain and there'll be nothing for you and nothing that your God can do about it. Listen, people may talk about Mother Nature. It may sound good about conversation. Oh, Mother Nature's been good to us this year. Oh, we've had plenty of rain. Mother Nature's been rough on us this year. We don't have enough rain. Hogwash, Mother Nature ain't got nothing to do with it. It's the Almighty Creator God Himself that moves the clouds and brings the rain. Don't get caught up in that. 
as soon as Elijah stands before the king and issues the challenge that God has given him, he's immediately told to go and hide himself in the brook Kareth. Now remember, Elijah shows up on the scene right here in, in chapter 17 unannounced. They didn't roll out no red carpets for him. They didn't announce him as being one of the greatest prophets ever, but he was. He didn't come with some great announcement. And when he stood before the king and said, Hey, it's not going to rain. Y'all got it all wrong. God said, Go hide yourself. Go by the brook Kareth, which Kareth means to separate yourself. Some people could take that to heart today. We need to be a separated people. We live in this world, but thank God we don't have to be of this world. Amen. Also, that word careth means to cut down or to cut off, to separate. God has plans for Elijah when he gets there. And after being in Kareth for about two years, the Bible tells us uh, that the water brook dried up and Elisha's told to go to Zarephath, where incidentally, check this out, it's in Jezebel's old stomping grounds. God promises the prophet that he has arranged for Elijah's needs to be met there as well. And when Elijah arrives at the brook and when he arrives at the widow's house, he will be there. When he gets there, he is assured of the Lord's blessings and he's assured of the Lord's provisions. But my friend, if you want to be assured of the blessings, and if you want to be assured of the provisions, you've got to try to get yourself there. Where is there? There is the perfect will of God. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you there? Are you there? For Elijah, there was by the brook. For Elijah there was at the widow's house. For Noah there was an ark. For Daniel there was a prayer room that led to a lion's den. For the three Hebrew boys there was a fiery furnace. For Ruth there was a field owned by Boaz. For David there was a throne of Israel. For Paul there was a prison cell. And for Jesus Christ there was the cross at Calvary. The perfect will of God. In other words, there is that place in your life that finds you where God has placed you. There is this perfect will for your life. And when you get there, you'll know it. And when you're not there, you'll also know it. When you get there, there's some things you'll find out about that place. And from this great chapter, I want to point out some truths about that place that's called there. I want to ask you again, are you there? And if you aren't there, why aren't you there? And wouldn't you like to get there? Let me get something out of the way. If you're not living for the Lord today, you can't get there. If you are one of the types of individuals that could care less about reading the Word of God or that could care less about going to church, if you could care less about anything around the house of God or anything about God's people or anything about the Lord, you're not going to find His perfect will. 
I get disappointed in people. Miss you in church? Well, you know, preacher, school started back. Yeah. And? Well, you know, we got to get little Johnny in the bed by 10. Okay, church is over by 8. Yeah, but you know, preacher, we just have a hard time. Listen, <laughs> you need to rearrange your schedule. Yeah. Huh? Tell me the truth now. Come on. Oh, but you just don't understand, preacher. My kids have been all out of whack. We can't come to church on Sunday night and worship God because my children's got to do their homework. Why didn't you make them do it on Friday night? Why didn't you make them stay at home and do it all day Saturday instead of sitting in front of a video game? Oh, why? Oh, but preacher, you don't understand. My little boy is six years old. He's going to be the next star of the Carolina Panthers. You think so? Oh, but my little girl's going to be the next beauty queen that sits out there on the on the sidelines for the Carolina Panthers with her mini skirt on and her midriff top, uh, uh, cheering with her pom poms, uh, making eighty five dollars a game. Uh, they're going to be the next great thing. Oh, but preacher, we can't come uh, to revival every night because you know we've got things to do. Well, what do you got to do? Well, little Johnny's got to go to the ball game. Little Albert, he's got to go to his friend's house and he's got a birthday party that night. See, the reason you and I can't find the perfect will of God today is this. We got our priorities all out of order. Out of order. We want to be blessed. We want to be used. We want to be the thing. But yet we can't get nothing accomplished by the way of God because we're not faithful to His house. We're not faithful in our giving. We won't do what the Word of God tells us to do. And being saved don't have anything about what you're doing. Doesn't have anything to do about that. But when God saves you, we ought to have a want to deep inside uh, to be in the center of God's will, to be where God's placed us uh, and be there uh, when time comes. And sit there like the prophet did for two years until God moved him to go to the widow's house. The perfect will of God. The perfect will of God. Preacher Chuck Thornton said it good Friday night. He looked up there. You could tell he was distressed. He said, my Lord, I never would have thought that a Friday night football game would have caused all the people not to come to church tonight. Guess what? Heaven came down. The Holy Ghost took over. And that place was rocking on its end. They got up running around the building, shouting and hooping and hollering. You know why? Got some of the dead stuff out of the way. They over at the ball game. Somebody once told me, said, Preacher, I don't understand it. Every time I'm not there, y'all have a great service. <laughs> if you ain't where you need to be, you need to get where you need to be. Amen. Now, I know this ain't popular preaching. Now, if I was just the evangelist passing through this morning, we'd be shouting and, and ready to go home. 
But see, I got to come back tonight. <laughs> I got to come back Wednesday too. And I'm trying to be the shepherd over your soul. Now, let me remind you, don't get it to mad at the mailman that delivers the mail. You know I'm preaching truth, right? Sounds like you know I'm preaching truth. I believe, now listen, this ministry here, this church, my ministry, uh, the, the, the ministry of Todd Black, the ministry of Converse, the ministry of Turning Point Free Will Baptist Church has been based on one piece of Scripture. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all the other things will be added unto you. I'm here to tell you, we need people seeking God first uh, and putting God first in their life. Uh, and then you'll find the perfect will of God. Uh, and then God will be able to bless you. And then God will be able to use you. And then all of heaven will fall down in this place. Uh, and people will have be excited about what God's doing. Uh, and we'll see some more of them donations come in the mailbox uh, that'll pay this place off. If we'll pray and if we'll believe. My friend, look. One payment. Knock five years off of that thing. Be in the will of God. Be in the perfect will of God. When you're there, the Bible teaches us that there is a place of promise. See, God promised Elijah that the ravens would feed him there by that brook. He also told that widow woman there in Zarephath that he had been commanded to sustain, that she had been commanded to sustain him and my friends that everything would be taken care of. She'd just look after the man of God. When Elijah went there as the Lord commanded, he found out that the Lord was as good as his word. And I'm here to tell you, he's still as good as his word. He's not going to tell you a lie. He wasn't to if he could and he can if he wanted to I'm here he tells you the truth tonight if you get there you'll discover that God's always done what he's promised he'll do you know why some churches are closing the doors you know why there's many that I hear of? There's one that's closed just a few weeks ago. I'm talking about Free Will Baptist Churches. One closed up a few weeks ago. Just got word there's another one going to be closing up right here in Spartanburg County. Uh, just a few weeks down the road. They're just one service away from closing. Why are some of the Baptist churches even closing up? Uh, it's because people can't get in the center of God's will uh, and do what God's asked them to do. They want to do it their way instead of God's way. we got to do it God's way this morning if we're going to get in anything accomplished oh but preacher it's not God's way that's your way who do you think God tells the way the leader Listen, if I can't listen to God and follow out what God is telling me to do and to lead you as a pastor, then what in the world am I even here for? Why are you here for? There is a promise. A promise. He will do exceedingly above all that we can ask ask of Him or think of if we'll just be there in the will of God. Put into a position of dependence upon God that most others never experience. You know what would get us back on our knees? You know what would get us fasting? Take everything we got away from us and see how much we pray then. 
Let's see how much we dig in the Word of God then. Let's see how much it happens around here then. Uh, when we get out of the will of God completely, uh, take away all of our play purties, uh, take away the boats, uh, take away the cars, uh, take away the nice house on the hill. Uh, and my friend, you just don't know what you're going to do next. Uh, you find yourself on an altar of prayer. God, what's happening to me? And God speaks to you and says, Hey, uh, you should be in my will, not your will. Oh, we got, listen, God birthed this into me, and I hope you're getting it today. I hope you're getting it. I'm not here to be critical, and I'm not here to be mean. I'm here to preach the Word of God to you. We're put in the position to where we need to be dependent on God. When are people most, listen, some of the greatest songs ever written in this old-time hymn book right here. We can't call it a redback, it's a blueback. The greatest songs, Dusty, were written. When people were going through the most difficult times of their life. The most difficult times of their life. God gave them a word. When they didn't have nothing. When there was no food in the cupboard. When they didn't have no money in the bank. Yet God gave them what they needed. And yet we can't go through an entire service. Without walking out. Chewing a piece of chewing gum. We can't, you, we can't get through an entire service without people getting up and walking out during the invitation. Listen, I'm here to tell you, the most important part of a service is invitation time. When God's moving upon people, but if there's somebody that's lost, that's sitting in the pew, and they're grabbing a hold of that pew, brother, like we was when we was lost, and we're about ready to go down to an altar of prayer, and then all of a sudden, excuse me, excuse me, and you come walking out and you open the doors and you go to the bathroom. Listen, they make medicine for your bladder these days. Try to get on it where we won't disrupt the Lord. Listen, I've seen people almost to the point to where they were going to get saved. They were going to walk out of that pew, preacher. They were ready to get right with God. And then all of a sudden, the doors start swinging open and closing. And five or ten people go out to the bathroom. Listen, we ain't got but two in each one. You can't, all five can't sit on top of each other. If we've got bladder problems, don't drink anything before you come to church. Go to the doctor. I tell you what, I'll even pay for your office visit if you'll get that thing fixed. <laughs> promise. There's not only a place of promise. There's a place of provision. Provision. When Elijah got there, the ravens flew in right on time. <laughs> every morning. Every evening. With his meals. Where'd they get the food? I thought about that and your daddy hit on it the other day. He said, I believe the ravens went by Ahab's, the king. They was probably having a barbecue. And them old nasty birds went down there and grabbed up a piece of meat. And took them over there and gave them to Elijah. And then they went back, uh, and, 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 and the other one, he reached down and got a piece of bread. And came by and dropped it off with Elijah. I don't know about you. You may have never been there. I've been there when there wasn't no groceries in the cupboard. And God sent a raven my way. Provision. Provision. There is a place of promise. There is a place of provision. When you get there in your life, you'll find that God who promises you these things will come through for you. 
Amen. Listen, you know this story. Some of you may have heard it. Some of you may have not. We moved to pastor in, in, in the lower part of the state. And we got down there. We didn't have much of nothing. We sold our house. Didn't really make nothing. Didn't have no money. Jonathan getting ready to go to school. Uh, Tina always, I mean always, took that youngin to, uh, to somewhere to get him some clothes. And, and down there, there wasn't nowhere to go but Walmart. And uh, you listen, you, you, we wanted to go to Walmart and buy that. And Tina said, that youngin's going to have to have some shoes. He's going to have to have some clothes. His clothes is too small. He's growing up like a weed. Uh, honey, you know the checkbook story. We ain't got the money. We can't do nothing yet, but school starts in two weeks. Uh, We've got to get him some clothes. We've got to do something. Uh, What are we going to do? I said, we're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to help us. Uh, And we we, we started to pray. And we began to ask the Lord to help us. Uh, And, you know, uh, Jonathan's shoes wouldn't fit. And his his little old shorts that he had that he wore to school, they used to be down below his knees. Now they're up here like him old-time basketball shorts because he doesn't grow so much. His shirts is just as tight as they can be. Uh, What are we going to do? we got to get to young and some clothes. Uh, I said we've got to pray. And boy one morning after I got to praying uh, I would see the mail lady come by the mailbox and I walked down from that parsonage and walked down that hill uh, and I went over to the mailbox and opened it up uh, and there was a check from where we had sold the house. Uh, we had sent in a payment before it was sold uh, and it wasn't all figured in uh, and there was a refund of six hundred and something dollars uh, and I got back. I said honey get your clothes on. We're going to Walmart uh, and we're going to buy this young some clothes, amen. That was a raven that flew by my way to take care of us. People thought we was crazy when we went down there, but I was in the perfect will of God and God sent the ravens to do the rest. Earl Hendricks told you two weeks ago from this pulpit, if he would have he looked at me and told me, if I'd have asked him, you don't need to go to Converse Free Will Baptist Church, then people don't have no leadership, they don't have no ability, they can't do nothing, they can't get nothing done, you don't need to go over there. I'm glad he didn't tell me that. God told me that, I, like he said, he wasn't God. I believe I'm in the will of God today, Amen. Oh, bad boy, below, hey, preacher, that message is tough. Well, I know it's tough, but you preach. This is one thing all the preachers know today. You preach what God gives you if yeah. it hair lips the devil. Yeah. I'm not preaching this for my benefit today. Right. Another thing your dad said stayed out, stayed out in my mind, Dusty. He said this. Sometimes God has you to do things and you don't want to do them. I wasn't particularly fired up about preaching this message this morning. Because people look at me and say, he's picking on us again. No, I'm not picking on you. It's, oh, he's stepping on my toes again. Listen, if I'm hitting you in your toes, I'm missing. I'm aiming for your heart. I want you to be right. I want you to be right. I want you to be in the perfect will of God. In the perfect will of God, in your pew, where you need to be, no matter if we got ten exams next week or not, be in your place. It's a place of provision. You know, we're only here an hour. Wednesday night, we're only here an hour. We're only here an hour for Sunday school. And really, it turns into about 40 minutes after you cancel out preliminaries and the break in between. Worship service, oh gosh, I got bad news for you. We're going to be longer than an hour today. But I'm, listen, 
Sometimes we have to do things that God tells us to do that we really don't want to do. It's a place of provision. There is a place of providence. When he arrived there, if you're reading the scripture, Destiny Elijah was reminded that God is a God who is at work on both ends of the timeline. If you'll notice, uh, he had already sent the ravens uh, before he went. He had already commanded the ravens uh, to feed him before Elijah even went. He's working in the background. He's working to get it all done. But yet you and I today have become a selfish people and we don't care about the providence of God. I want to be in the center of His will today. There is a place of provision. There is a place of providence. A place of promise. Listen, your tomorrow is right now and whatever takes place in your life is a result of His advanced planning. There are no accidents with God. Amen. There are no coincidences. There's just the providence of God working out His plan and His will in the lives of His children. And if we ever get a hold of that, it will change your life forever. Yeah. Forever. You know, I... But also there is a place of power. Because Elijah was there, he got to see the ravens bring his meat and his bread. He got to see the meal barrel and the crews of oil supplying the widow, her son and the prophet for many months. He got to see the Lord raise a dead child back to life, something, by the way, that had never happened before. He got to see the power of God manifested before his very eyes, all because he was there. And folks, when you get there, and you stay there, you'll be in a position to see His power manifested in your life as well. We wonder why we can't win anybody to Jesus. We wonder why we can't be that uh, uh, that walking testimony uh, that would shine Christ through our lives. We wonder why that is. We wonder why uh, the church house is not full today. Uh, it's not full because we're not there. We're not in the center of God's will. Uh, and we have to try to find our way to where God wants us to be uh, in this ministry. God's path for your life may lead you through some treacherous waters. But until you go with God and watch Him do the impossible in your life, how will you ever know what He can do for you? There's a place of power. Folks, I've seen the Lord do some powerful things in my life. I've seen the Lord... Take a baby in the mother's womb that was trying to come too, way too early. Lungs not developed. And yet the power of God move and that baby be full term. I've seen the power of God touch that baby of yours the other day. Yeah. That baby wasn't breathing. And I ain't trying to upset nobody this morning. But when something's not breathing, it's dead. Yeah. God touched that baby. That was the power of God. And, and listen, as we sat there... And we looked at that baby. Who would have ever thought that baby laying there with a ventilator in his, you know, his mouth and, uh, you know, tubes running everywhere into his arms, IVs, feet, you know, everywhere and wasn't breathing, brain swelling on the brain. He's laying there. Who would have thought that the next day he would look just like a perfectly normal kid and nothing wrong with him? Who would have thought that? That's the power of God. 
That's the provision of God. And you know why I believe it happened? I believe when we sent out that little post and we began to pray and people began to pray about that baby. God, don't let this happen to that family. God, don't let this happen to that baby. And I believe we got the attention of God. And He looked down on that baby and He said, you must live. And that baby got up and it's living today. And it's all because of God. It wasn't nothing that the doctor's done. And I love doctors, by the way. They're here for a reason. They're God's instrument and they're God's tool to work out some of those miracles in that way. There is a place of power. There is a place of protection. Because of what took place, Elijah was a wanted man. Chapter 18 finds Ahab searching everywhere for that prophet. But because he was there where he needed to be, he was in a place of safety and divine protection. Even in Zarephath, Jezebel's backyard, Elijah was as safe as a baby as it is in his mother's womb. Why? Because he was there. He was under the divine protection of God. Friend, the safest place you can ever be this morning is there. Dead center of the Lord's will is where you'll find yourself. Why? Because nothing can touch you there. You're safe in His will. He knows how to protect His children regardless of what we face in life. Some people refuse to trust the Lord. They feel He's out to hurt them or He's out somewhere to come against them and that He won't look out for them. Oh, the truth is completely opposite. He can take care of you better than you can take care of yourself. Oh, I don't believe that preacher. He can take care of you better than you can take care of yourself. I promise you that today. There's a place of protection, a place of power. There's a place of privilege. Elijah learned more about God and His power than he could ever learn anywhere else. Being there was no doubt hard at times. Any step of faith is. But it was the best place he could ever have been because it afforded the man of God an opportunity to watch God and to see God do things firsthand. Two weeks ago when I stood up here, I told you what Raymond said to me. He said, Preacher, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. All I know is that God told me to do it until we're done. Me and Joe was just, I mean, me and Joe's not the closest of friends. We don't talk every day. I mean, sometimes it may be months before I hear from you on the phone or I call you or what. And, I mean, that's just the way it is. He's got his life to live. But Joe and I, one day, were just talking. And Joe mentioned, said, Preacher, you know, if we'd pray and fast some, you know, we could probably get some of this debt off of us. And it became a burden to him, and it became a burden to me. We began to pray, and we began to fast. And that wasn't that very much long ago. Then I stand in front of another man that listens to God and says, how much do you owe over there on that house? I'm going to pay it off. Here's your check for $48,000. And I'm like, well, praise God. We got that note completely off of us, Lord. But we got another one right here. Well, he didn't take care of all of it at one time, but he could have if he wanted to. And there was another check. Oh, well, well over $100,000. To put on the debt of this church. Five years of payments knocked out. Boom. One clip. Just like that. You think God can't do that? 
You think God, before the day's over, can't take care of the rest of it? I'm here to tell you, He can. You don't think God can take care of it all in your life, whatever it may be that's bothering you, whatever may be upsetting you, whatever it is. Listen, your family may be falling apart today, but I'm telling you, if you'll get in the center of God's will, you won't be falling apart. Are you there? Have you reached that place in your life where you can honestly say, I am in the will of God. I am where He wants me to be. And if you are, let me encourage you to stay there. Notice that when Elijah arrived at Kareth, the Bible says that he dwelt there. That word means to live or to set up housekeeping. Elijah went there and he stayed there until orders came to go somewhere else. And if you're there, just stay there. I'm talking about God's will. I'm not talking about where you're at this morning. I'm talking about God's will. Are you doing what's right in your life? Are you able to get in God's will? Are you able to push yourself out of the way this morning and say, God, here I am. I want to be in your will. Talk to me. I'm going to close with this illustration. I heard it this week and I looked it up to make sure I could get the story straight. These people are sitting around. They're debating whether or not God still speaks to people. Does you know? If I was there, it wouldn't be much of a conversation because I'd just walk up and leave because I'd say, y'all crazy, God still speaks to people. But they were debating, does God still speak to people? And as they got out of the, you know, the, the little powwow they were having, this young man got in the car. This was already past 10 o'clock at night. He starts driving home, but he begins to pray. He said, God, if you still speak to people, would you please speak to me? And as he's riding down the road, the Lord tells him, pull into the convenience store. (laughs) Lord, I don't need nothing at the convenience store. He said, pull into the convenience store. And he tells him to do this on the roughest side of town. And he pulls into the convenience store, and he's like, okay, Lord, what now? And the Lord, you know, the the, the story goes as if it was an audible voice. Go and buy a gallon of milk. Lord, I don't need no milk. He said, no, go in and buy a gallon of milk. Okay, God. He goes in, he pays for the gallon of milk, gets the gallon of milk, shrubs his shoulders, gets into his car, and starts to head home. He gets down to 7th Street, and God says, take a right. He's like, Lord, that's the roughest part of town. I don't need to be down there. He said, no, take a right. He actually passes it up and God spoke to him so harshly that he had to turn around and hang that left and go back down there, down that road yeah. where he needed to be. He said, well, Lord, I don't know what you've got in plan, but if you're talking to me and this is you talking to me, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. He said, go down this road. Go down 7th Street. He goes down 7th Street. The Lord says, stop your car and park right here. He pulls over his car to the side of the road. He stops and puts his car in park and turns off the keys. Turns off the car. And he's like, okay, Lord. He says, walk across the street and knock on that door and give them the milk. 
He's like, Lord, I am on the roughest side of town. By this time, it's already approaching 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. There's no light on in the house. There's nothing. Pitch dark. Go. Knock on that door and give them the milk. Okay, God. He goes over and he knocks on the door. A man comes to the door, big, rough, and ragged. What do you want? Sir, I just was told to bring you this. Held out a gallon of milk and gave it to that man. His little old wife with tears poked her head out around the corner and held her hands up in the air and said, Honey, are you an angel? Are you an angel? And he said, No, ma'am. God just told me to bring this milk by and give it to you. She began to shout in the Lord, and so did the rough-looking man. And said, Son, you just don't understand. We've been praying all day that God would make a way for us to have some milk to feed my baby with and to get that baby some milk. We couldn't afford it. We wasn't going to go steal it. We just depended on God. And I'm so glad that you listened to God and what He told you to do. The ravens flew by by the way of that young man. And he went back. (laughs) He went back to that little session that they were having. He says, I got news for you. I'm going to report it to you today. Not only does God still speak to people, but I've got proof that God still answers prayers. I want you to stand. Over this building, they're going to play us a CD, a song back there that kind of just grabbed a hold of my heart yesterday. I was in a meeting with Simpsonville Church last night. This song kind of just, I don't know, it just done something for me. Probably not your traditional imitation song, but maybe it'll do something for you. Well, preacher, what's the purpose of all this this morning? You know it's 10 after 12. I know it's 10 after 12, but if I wouldn't have told you, I hope you wouldn't even have recognized it. I love each and every one of you that's in this, in this, in this church house. Let me tell you something. Preacher McCoy was right when he said the pastor's the one that looks down across the congregation and when you're not in your pew, he's the one that worries about you. He's the one that falls down on his knees and prays for you. He's the one that's trying to keep the boat in the road. I feel like that sometimes. I look across the congregation and I'm, where's so-and-so at today? My words. I'm worried about that individual. Yeah. And then, you know, and then I'll find out they're either working or sometimes, but sometimes people just lazy. And I look out there and I say, worry about them. Worried about them. Lord, where are they at? Lord, you know they where they supposed to be. Lord, where are they this morning? You begin to pray and then you go down your prayer list and you start calling out names of the people that weren't missing, that were missing in the pew and, and you know, for whatever reason they've decided to, today they're going to go and, and, and roll the top down on the convertible and ride up to the mountains just because it's pretty on a Sunday or pull the boat out and, and go fishing just because it's pretty on Sunday and it was even prettier on Saturday. Then you get to worrying about people's spirituality, wondering what they're going to get tied up in, wondering where it's going to lead to, and your heart begins to break as a pastor, and you begin to search God, and you begin to talk to God. God, what is going on with my people? God, why can't they do what's right? God, why? And then God speaks to you and says, they can't find my will because they're not living right. 
You can't find God's will if you're not doing what we're supposed to do according to thus saith the word. I'm not here to preach on do's and don'ts. If you saved today, you ought to have an unction. You ought to have some enough spirituality in you to know that we ought to be in the center of God's will. Trying to find it anyway if you're not there. I encourage you to find it today. Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, you know my love for these people. I wouldn't intentionally hurt any of them this morning, God. I'm glad that I had preachers preach to me down through the years to keep me straight, to keep me where I needed to be and keep me in the perfect will of God. Or if I wasn't in the perfect will of God, I had somebody to remind me that I needed to be in His perfect will and that I needed to get there as soon as I could. And if I wasn't there, I was always striving to get there. It was because the men of God weren't scared to preach to me and tell me the truth. Lord, I thank You today for sending ravens my way. Thank you for these that are gathering around this altar. Lord, I've done my best. I've told the people what you've told me to tell them. And God, I'm going to allow you to do the office work in the hearts of the people, for I can't do that. And Lord, I'm not going to do that because that's not my duty. I delivered the mail. And Lord, I'm praying that you'll do the rest. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Amen. Amen.